0: Welcome to the Living to 100 Club podcast. Here's our host, Dr. Joseph
1: Cassiani. Welcome, everyone, to the Living to 100 Club podcast, where we discuss strategies to live longer and stay positive about aging. We hear about programs and services that are available, and we hear personal stories about successful aging and making it over the hurdles. The club's goal is to create a mindset about living to 100 and turn aging on its head. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Joe Casciani. In today's conversation, we'll take a closer look at what we're hearing a lot about, namely mindset and positive thinking. Our guest is Dr. Sharon Grossman. We'll be discussing ways we hold ourselves back or limit our opportunities because of our self-talk. Self-talk can be our worst enemy. Sharon is the author of the international bestseller, The 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. Let's hear more about how we can get our mind to work for us instead of against us. Sharon, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Great. Yeah. Glad to have this conversation with you. Let's start with the question that I always begin with with our guests. Tell us about the journey that brought you to where you are today.
2: Well, I have a background in psychology. I've been working as a therapist for the last 20 years or so. And during that whole course of time, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my clients. I learned a lot about what is helpful, what works, what doesn't work. And um, I've really been on this mission to help empower high achievers. Um, Part of the model that I was disenchanted with in the therapy world is this kind of notion that you show up and you just keep on coming week after week. And sometimes it was really like from the therapist perspective of like, we want you to keep coming. And then sometimes it was from the client's perspective of, You know, I'm really afraid of what will happen if I don't keep coming, if I don't have the safety net, right? So sometimes there's anxiety about that. I was really more excited about the prospect of teaching my clients tools where they can help themselves and they're not reliant on me or the process. And so even in my therapy, I was engaging with my clients on some level more as a coach than as a therapist. And so even uh, even in all those years of working, I really incorporated a lot of coaching. And so at some point, I decided I really want to focus in on coaching more so than on therapy. And that's when I really started to think about what are the biggest struggles that my clientele struggles with and how can I support them best. And so I kind of reverse engineered the whole process where I decided that, you know, I wanted to work with a certain kind of person, somebody who is highly driven, highly motivated, but is struggling. Sometimes it's because they aren't, how should I say this? Like sometimes it's, you know, we become very distracted. So it takes us a lot longer to get things done than it otherwise would. So sometimes it's kind of a more more like a mind attention and focus and like time management sort of an issue. And other times it's because of our belief system, and that is really like the crux of what I teach because so much of the time we get in our own way with the beliefs that we have and then the way that we think about things. And so what I noticed is that a lot of times people are experiencing negative things in their life, whether it's stress, anxiety, overwhelm, burnout, whatever the case may be, and they're attributing the cause to external factors, like it's my job or it's my boss or it's my kids or you know there's something outside of me, and that's the reason I feel the way that I do. And I find that this is very disempowering because then you're reliant on something outside of you to change in order for you to feel good. And really, that's not even true in the world, right? And so part of what I see as my mission is to educate people on what is actually contributing to their current state and what they can do to alter that so that they have the kinds of results that they like to see in the world. Um, and so that's become really like the crux of my current work is helping people who are stuck in one way, shape, or form and helping them to kind of get unstuck by learning how to manage their mind.
1: Sure. Well, you've touched on a lot of subjects. I hope we can get into more of these interesting evolution, though, from psychotherapist to really coaching and helping people get out of their own way and removing their blocks, whatever is uh, holding them back. Yeah. Let me ask you about therapy versus coaching. How do you distinguish between the two?
2: Well, I would say this. The way that I've kind of heard it described is that with therapy, you're helping people who are struggling get back to their baseline. So typically what we see is people come in, usually it's with some form of either depression or anxiety, and it is either... Diminishing their functioning, so they're like not able to do the same things as they used to in the world, or they're just highly distressed. And so, your job as a therapist is to increase functioning and to decrease distress. And I think that there is some of that in coaching as well. But typically, the way that we think about it in coaching is that you're already doing well in some way shape or form and that coaching helps take you to the next level so often you hear about people getting coaching when they are doing really well and then they want to do even better so there's kind of like a scaling up or like a growth or like i want more kind of a mindset as opposed to i'm not doing so great but i think i think there's some overlap between the two so that's one aspect that's different. I think the other is that with coaching, I can tell you if I let's say if I build a coaching program, I can tell you what you can expect and how long it's going to take and how much it's gonna cost you. You know everything up front. Whereas whereas with therapy it's often kind of like a let's see, you know, you may have some improvement but we don't know how long it's going to take and you kinda of just don't know how long you're in it for, what you can expect. Everybody's got different things. You know, like think about depression. People might be on medication and they might not be on medication. And so the way that the therapy is going to work is going to vary tremendously because depending on how depressed you are and what you're what you're doing outside of therapy is going to really affect your results. And so not everybody's in the same boat. Whereas if you were feeling just like really stressed out, I can teach you how to be less stressed out, and then I can say within X amount of time, you're going to have these results, and this is how much it's going to cost, right? So there's there's just like more clarity, I feel like, with coaching. But of course, there's exceptions to the rule, of, but that's kind of how I like to think about it.
1: Yeah, so therapy is more of the unknown. It, we won't say infinite, but it's not as finite as coaching. Coaching is well-defined, clear objectives and, you know, when you're reaching benchmarks or whatever toward those objectives. Therapy might be, yeah, you might go off in different directions. Yeah, that's an important distinction. I appreciate that. I hadn't heard it uh, quite differentiated that way. I've heard other explanations, but that's, that's useful. So getting back to baseline with therapy and coaching, kind of just starting from where you are and moving forward. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about mindset. We hear a lot about that. Term, I use it a lot in my work and kind of creating a positive mindset. What do you, how do you define that? How do you describe what mindset means and what is a mindset coach?
2: Well, mindset is really everything, right? So a lot of times we're focusing on a product or something outside of ourselves that is going to help us achieve the kind of results that we want to see. And we've been marketed to in that way. You know, if you only buy this, then you'll feel happy and then everything's going to be great and, you know, you'll lose the weight or you'll have the most amazing relationships or you're going to look great, you know, whatever the case may be. But what I find is that it creates a reliance on something external and it doesn't really necessarily deliver the results because it's not taking into account what's going on between your ears. And what I find is that, I mean, we'll take something simple like self-care. Self-care is something that everybody knows is important, that can help them, but we don't do it, right? And oftentimes people will say, oh, I just don't have the time, things like that. And so what I like to teach is what are the obstacles to self-care, which is really mindset, and when you can tackle those, we all know what we need to do. We know it's good for us to sleep and to exercise and to eat healthy and to drink water when we know the things that aren't good for us. We know that it's not healthy for us to drink alcohol or to smoke or do drugs or to sit on our butt all day and not not move our bodies. We know all these things, but we don't do them. And so the answer isn't more information. The answer is how to tackle the mind to get to a place where you aren't getting in your own way. So as an example, sometimes people don't engage in self-care because they just don't think that they're worth it, right? So they're going to be able to do all the other things, like things that are going to get them praise or things that are going to get them attention from other people. And that's going to be – focusing on people-pleasing, right, because then it gives you a sense of importance or a sense of worth, like people are appreciating you. So then you focus on other people and things outside of yourself, and then, of course, you're not going to have time for yourself because that's not your focus. Um, and so part of the work that I do is I hope people get to that place where they actually start to value themselves and they start to create boundaries and they're managing their time. And all this is a result of really starting with the mind, really starting with like what are the limiting beliefs? What are the things that you're telling yourself? What are the inner dialogues? And and all of that is going to be so incredibly Important when it comes to making everyday decisions about what you do, why you do it, how you do it, how much you do it—you know—all these things are are just absolutely essential. And so, to me, there is nothing more important than your mental health, and your your mindset is such a huge part of that.
1: So the mindset, in a way, is kind of a, a filter, maybe where we start with some early. Rules or principles or beliefs, and everything goes through that filter. I don't want to get distracted with the concept of filter, but these early beliefs kind of determine how we view everything, right?
2: Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Right. So yeah. there's always there's always a reason why you think about things in this way, whereas somebody else is thinking about them in another way, and it's because of our early life experiences that have shaped how we think and what we believe and how we see the world, our perspective. And that's the filter that you're talking about.
1: Right. So your example of not not taking care of ourselves or neglecting that self-care maybe comes from an earlier belief that I'm really not that important. I really need to find other ways to show that I'm important. So we do that people-pleasing behavior and looking for that positive attention. Meanwhile, we're kind of skipping over the other more basic fixes right or basic solutions yeah
2: yeah yeah one of it you know one other version of that might be i have to prove that i do good work you know or i have to prove that i'm successful um so you can have as a kid somebody who is looking to get straight a's or you can have as an adult somebody who is looking to make a million dollars in their business or uh is uh on top of their, you know, career, and maybe they're doing really well at work, but their personal life is falling apart or their health is falling apart. And that's where we see there's a lack of balance. And there's usually some sort of a belief that can allow them to be really successful in one realm and really struggle in another.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I know I've worked with seniors, older adults a lot, especially uh, people who are you know, facing some kind of physical decline and um, loss of independence. And a lot of their beliefs stem from what's the use? You know, why should I bother to try to get better in rehab? Why should I work so hard in physical therapy? So that that's a certain mindset also, right? I mean, it's
2: Absolutely. Colored, colored,
1: colored by a lot of our negative thinking, but that's what's going to determine their own behavior going forward, right?
2: Yeah, the yeah. way the way that I like to help people understand it is that the results that you are seeing in your life come from your behaviors, as you just mentioned, and those behaviors come from your emotional state. So if you have a thought such as, what's the use, then, you know, there's usually some sort of depression on board, and then you're going to be very, uh, you're going to have very little motivation, you're not going to do certain things, and then you're going to pretty much stay stuck in a rut. And so it's really up to us to find the purpose of doing these things for ourselves or to find the meaning in what we're doing in order to feel good about doing it. And it's kind of like, you know, to give a kind of analogy that's close to what you just described, it's kind of like the analogy of going to the gym where people are like, I know it's good for me, but it's just so hard to get there. But then once you go, you feel so good and you're so glad that you want, but it doesn't make it easier to go the next time around. You have to keep reminding yourself, like, why am I putting on my gym shorts and why am I packing this bag and why am I schlepping all the way over there? It's kind of like you have to constantly remind yourself of the why and remind yourself that, oh, yeah, the last time I went, I just felt so good. Like, it was really hard to get there, but I love how I feel when I work out or I love how I feel when I stretch my body. And and that's what I would recommend for seniors who are going through those kinds of mindset struggles is, like, yes, it's effort to get out of bed and to go to your rehab or wherever you're going and to put in those, you know, those hours, but – how do you feel when you do it versus how do you feel when you don't do it? Right?
1: That's, right. That's what people- yeah. So that's what motivation. It's uh, that confidence, that uh, reward, that kind of positive feedback that we're getting from trying the new behavior. And that's what's going to continue it going forward. I mean, we always look for some kind of reinforcers. That's why we go to work, to get a paycheck. So we're always looking for some reward to go to the gym or go to the physical therapy session. Or that that feedback is what gives us that motivation uh, to continue, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I th- I always talk about effort as like part of a, an equation. So I call it the effort-reward balance and you have to think about what are the kinds of rewards that you're looking for. Are they intrinsic or extrinsic? And, you know, when we go to work, yes, we go to work for a paycheck, but there's got to be more than a paycheck because that's just extrinsic. That's something that's outside of yourself. And it only takes you so far in terms of your satisfaction. You have to have a sense of purpose in your work in order to feel like some sort of joy about getting up in the morning and going And that's why you see so many disgruntled employees because they maybe are doing it just for the paycheck, but they don't love what they're doing. And so it's really a struggle to get out of bed in the morning. And so I would say the same thing applies really to anything, right? If you are going to go to your rehab session, then you have to find some intrinsic value in that. And that can help balance out how much effort you put in or make that effort count, right? So you have to kind of see. And then if something is like way more effort than you're going to reap rewards for, then maybe there's your calculation for not to do that and find something else that doesn't take as much work, right, or that has bigger
1: rewards. Sure. Yeah, that's a good way to perceive it. I I can see that looking at how much effort versus how much reward, how much reinforcement, and there has to be some balance there. So if we're looking at shifting, let's say we have this negative mindset about healthy eating or, um, you know, fitness and we don't think we're worth it. We don't think it's, you know, important enough. How do we, where do we start by changing that mindset? Well, I think
2: the key is really to have some self-awareness where you are noticing your self-talk. And oftentimes we aren't really cognizant of all the self-talk that's going on in our head. It's easier for us to spot it with other people. So when we hear other people say, oh, I'm so stupid, or I can't believe I made that mistake, or things like that, then you're like, oh, my God, they're like really hard on themselves. But oftentimes you'll find that you're harder on yourself than you would be on anybody else that you care about. Um, and so one thing you can do is notice the self-talk, and then ask yourself, if it it was my best friend that was going through the same situation, what would I say to them, right? And that way, you start to get some self-compassion on board. You start to think about, you know, if they're really depressed or they don't have low, if they have low motivation, what would I say to help Encourage them, you know, because I want them to go to their rehab session because I know it's going to do them a world of good and I know they're going to feel so much better and they'll get out of this funk. What would I say to them to encourage them and how can I use that and say that to myself, right? Mm -hmm. But it has, you have to start first by noticing what's your current self talk. and, And then also, I notice how when you say that to yourself, how does that make you feel and what does that? lead to in terms of your behaviors and if you can change that you know and I'll do this exercise with my clients sometimes where I'll say you know how do you want to feel and they'll say oh you know instead of feeling frustrated I just want to feel calm you know something like that so I'll say well what would you need to tell yourself or what would you need to think in order for you to feel confident or calm and then they're able to kind of reverse engineer it. So there's all different techniques and tools that you can use to kind of shift out of your negative state that will help get you out the door doing the things that you want to be doing that uh, create a more engaged and satisfied life.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, Well, do emotions change our thinking or does our thinking change our emotions? And it's so important what you're describing there to notice our self-talk and then look at how we want to feel and then change our self-talk to create that new feeling. That's our new goal. So if I were to ask you, do emotions change our thinking or vice versa?
2: It's definitely your thoughts that affect your feelings. So when you... And we know this because you can be in a situation alongside somebody else they're in under the same circumstances as you, and you have very different reactions to that. yeah, Have you ever had that situation happen where you know you and somebody else are experiencing the exact same thing, but you have very different reactions?
1: Sure, I know what you mean yeah yeah so
2: yeah. so we know that it's not the circumstance that's leading to how we feel, it's our thoughts that lead to how we feel. And because we think differently, because each of us has different life experiences and that filter that, you know, coming back to that idea that you were talking about, then it makes sense that we're each going to filter the information that's coming in through our five senses differently based on that filter. And then we're going to have as a result different thoughts, different feelings, different behaviors, and different results. And so that's why it's really important for us not to think about how to change our circumstances, but to really notice what is going through our mind and how we can come in and actually be really intentional about what we feed ourselves, what we feed our mind, you know, and that makes such a big difference.
1: So our thoughts are really driving the feelings. Our thoughts are driving the behaviors. Our thoughts really can be the dominant or predominant mode here, vehicle rather, of how we're being a part of the world. I, I always like to ask a patient who's depressed, how will you know when you're not depressed anymore? And they would say, well, you know, I get up tomorrow morning and open the drapes and, and I would know I'm not so depressed. So that would be my mm-hmm. prescription. Well, tomorrow morning, let's have you get up and open the drapes. It's the behavior that changes the emotions. I mean, would you agree with that? Do you see that same same process?
2: So I would say this. I I think that typically you see that you know, if you look at like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, that is the notion that we can change our feelings through either cognition or behavior. However, what I find is oftentimes when we focus in on the behavior, you have a temporary result versus when you change the thought, you have a more long standing result. So if somebody's really depressed and they wake up and they open up the curtains they might feel a little bit better, but if they still are like having a lot of negative thoughts and they're beating themselves up, then that's not going to last. It's not enough to keep to like all of a sudden jolt them into a happy human being. If they tackle their, their thinking, their beliefs and all this kind of stuff, then it's going to be so much easier to wake up every morning feeling better and then opening up those drapes. So, I think that behaviors can make a difference, but it's just a lot more work to start from the bottom and
1: work your way up. That's very helpful. A good explanation. So in terms of our environment, should we look at making changes in our environment that could influence our negative thinking or positive thinking?
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that I talk about is how when you – create more organization in your life it makes a big difference in how you feel so one of the things that I just mentioned is that we take in information through our five senses so when you come to this is this is kind of like how I like to explain it when you are staying in a hotel let's say you open up the door and you see the room is completely tidy they've fixed the beds perfectly everything is in order there isn't clutter you kind of feel a sense of lightness. You feel like, oh, this is this is so great. You know, you walk in with a good energy. But then what happens is we come in and then we start tearing everything apart and we throw our stuff everywhere and then the room becomes really messy. So then you leave the room and you go do whatever it is that you're there to do. You come back into the room and if they've made up your room, you walk in and you're like, oh, this is so great. And if they don't make up your room, you walk in and you're just like, ugh, you know, and I feel like that's how you have to think about your life because we don't live in hotel rooms where other people are going to clean up after our, our, ourselves. So we need to do it for, for us. And that means that when you wake up in the morning, you make your own bed. And that way, when you walk into your bedroom at any point in the day, it's going to be nice and tidy and it's going to help you feel that sense of lightness that sense of like, oh, things are right in the world. And it really only takes maybe 30 seconds to a minute to make your bed. It really doesn't take a lot of time. And these are the kinds of things that I like to encourage my clients to do. And as you were talking about behaviors, like do these little micro habits, create those and do them every single day because it makes such a big difference and they take, you know, coming back to that effort reward balance um, you get so much reward for so little effort, and that's where I like to have people focus.
1: Yeah, so being that oh, so much aware of our environment to know what makes a difference and without even having to think about it, we want to bypass it, but we go through that thought really quickly to come to our desired change or desired result. So let's make our beds up. We don't even have to think about it. We just know that's going to cause us to feel better.
2: Exactly. And it's kind of like, I, you know, what I tell my clients is, you know, when you create a habit, then it becomes automated. You don't really have to think about it. And then it doesn't take up so much of your energy, your mental energy. It's kind of like when you wake up in the morning, you don't say, well, should I brush my teeth today? And if so, when, you know, you just kind of roll out of bed and you do it, you don't even think about it. And if you can do that for other things in your life, like, making your bed and organizing your room or organizing the desk that you're working from or whatever the case may be, you know, emptying out your emails so that you don't have like 20,000 emails in your inbox, like all those things create overwhelm and stress. And then you always feel like you're drowning and that's not a a good place to be. So you want to like dedicate a little bit of time throughout your week to doing the little things that are going to make a big impact.
1: Yeah, that's really good. That's very helpful. So I, I'm thinking of a lot of people that I address, or you know, my listeners are maybe struggling with some physical impairment or limitation. Maybe they've had a stroke, or you know, maybe they're in a wheelchair, and um, there's some sensory—they're blind or hard of hearing. I like to talk about reinventing ourselves, kind of redefining ourselves. Okay, yesterday, last year. My first 60 years, I was healthy and independent, and now I'm struggling with this major physical impairment. And I, I like the notion of kind of reinventing, redefining ourselves, kind of writing a new script, writing a, a new chapter, but also kind of creating a new role for us in this chapter. Does that resonate at all with you and in, in your work?
2: Absolutely. So I'll tell you a little story. When I first met my husband, he he was experiencing vision loss, and he got diagnosed with a degenerative condition. So it was gradually getting worse. And when I met him, he had about ten percent vision, and he was going through an identity crisis, as probably a lot of your listeners have been, um, where you know you want to hold on to your old abilities and now it's beyond your control, like, it's just gone, and you're like, what does that mean, and how are people going to think about me, and it creates, like, so much emotional upheaval. He went through a lot of that. He really, as he lost the rest of his vision, had to get mobility training, had to get all kinds of technological devices, like, he's got a screen reader that tells him what's on his, on his computer or on his phone and, you know, he's gotten a lot of these kind of things that are helpful to him now that he can function. Right. But it was a, spe- a very tremendous loss um, to go from being sighted to not being sighted and to yes. having to rely on other people or on a cane or on technology to do everyday things. And so I can really appreciate this idea of having to reinvent ourselves. And I think one of the hardest things for him was, the identity piece, which is total mindset, right? It's like he would leave the house, fold up his cane, walk to the bus, and then when he was far enough from his house, he would like unpack the the cane, Get, get to like a block away from the office, fold it up again. This is like early days when he was still kind of on the fence. And then come to work and like never have the cane out so nobody would know. But in the meantime, was completely like walking along, having to hold on to the walls to figure out how to get to the bathroom. And I'm sure it was very evident to other people who were sighted that there was something wrong with his vision, right? But he just wasn't ready to announce it to the world by having a cane. So I think so much of the work is our psychology, right, Our how we see ourselves, the stories that we tell ourselves. And that's going to make such a big impact in terms of how we feel and what we do, how we present ourselves to the world. So I think the big thing for people who are going through physical change um, that is limiting their mobility or limiting their ability to do whatever it was that they were able to do previously I think a lot of it is coming to terms with what is and, as you say, to reinvent yourself. So, for example, like my husband had to figure out what he was going to do for his career that doesn't rely on vision, right, because he was still young. He was, like, basically early 30s when this was happening. So he had to figure out, like, I got the rest of my working career and I have to find something that I can do. And it's been a, it's been this ongoing struggle of like finding something that not only I can do, but that I actually love doing. And so he's been kind of rolling from one thing to the next. And it's, it's it's not an easy thing, I have to say. But what's been really solid is his determination to figure it out. And that's what I would say to your listeners is even when it's hard, even when it doesn't come to you the first try, that you just stick with – your notion of whatever that is, like if you are determined to be able to do something, whether it's movement or to feel a certain way, that you find a way there, even if it takes 10 failures, you know, just keep, keep coming back and trying something new. And that just gives us something to focus on other than the disability, you know, just like the notion that, We have a goal. And really, like, I would say that's true for everybody regardless of limitations and aging. I think our notion or our purpose on this planet is to grow, whatever that means, in whatever place you are in your life. And in order to do so, we need to have a goal always that we can focus on. And then when when we accomplish that goal, then we just move on to the next goal. And that's really what life is. It's just one goal after the next. So wherever you are, find something that you can focus on, some sort of a goal, and and then use that to move forward and, and make
1: strides. Yeah, the goals are important, of course. Yeah, we need to keep moving forward, and we set our mind toward that objective. Sometimes things get in the way, though, right, as... You know, your husband had to rethink his goals and had to reformulate, uh, which, which pathway he was going to take to reach his goals. But it's, like I always say, process is more important than content. It's not so much what we do, but the fact that we're doing something to keep moving. So I can, uh, I can appreciate that story. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Sure. Uh, so you've done a lot of work with burnout. Quickly, how does this happen? What's what's the most vulnerable type of person to experience burnout?
2: Well, that's a good question. I would say somebody who isn't doing a lot of mind management, that is focused externally, that is that has something to prove, that is not focusing on balance. You know, it's when we fall out of balance and we are trying to do something that's only external. We're not taking care of our internal needs. Um, We are focusing on getting recognition or on pleasing other people or on something outside of us, like accomplishing some goal or task where we're neglecting other needs. And you do that enough where stress is constantly building up and building up and building up, where you just aren't functioning in the same way that you used to. But the way that I like to describe burnout for people so that they have a real grasp on the subject is we all know what it feels like to feel stressed. Burnout is basically the accumulation of chronic stress. So people can really deal with acute stress. We all can deal with that. But when stress is unrelenting then that's where we start to break down. You start to feel exhausted. You start to – your performance starts to decline. And then you start to lose confidence in your ability to do whatever it is that you were able to do previously. And you start to think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Why can't I do this? I used to be able to do it. And those are some early signs that you're in the process of burning out. And so what I would say to people is, like, so much of this is about – managing your stress and what we know is that stress is about perception as we've talked about and so that that really comes back to your mindset and the stories that you tell yourself and the thoughts that you're having and if you can do a good job in managing that then you won't feel so stressed out and then you'll be able to
1: avoid burnout mm, sure yeah yeah that's a great description that's very helpful so you have a book about burnout called The 7E Solution, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. It's available on your website, on Amazon, I take it?
2: It is. It's available there. And what what I would say to your listeners is you don't have to be burned out to benefit from this book because a lot of the things that we've talked about, whether it's about you know effort and reward or whether it's about mindset management or whether it's about confidence uh, and your ability, like all of that is actually in the book. So I could have easily called this book something else, but it really is about this journey to self-improvement and personal development uh, where I've taken tools that I've found have been helpful to a lot of my clients over the years and tried to kind of put them together into some sort of a system where it gives the reader a step-by-step process where they can learn these tools, apply them to their lives and start to see results. So I think it's helpful, whether it's burnout or stress or any sort of mental issue that you're having, where you feel stuck, where you want to change your results. I think this will teach you a lot of things about what actually works and it also, I made it in such a way where it's not just a book. I don't want you to just read it because that's just information. I actually want you to apply it and I'll think. Because you know, I think like a coach, so it actually comes with a workbook. And what I really encourage people to do is, as they read each section, to stop and really reflect on how that applies to their life and how to start implementing some of those things before they move on to the next section. So it, there's a lot packed in there and uh, I really encourage people to make this a project.
1: Yeah, so a valuable learning experience besides the the content that we're reading to be able to apply all of that content. What does the 7E refer to?
2: Yeah, so as I was doing some research on burnout, what I found is that a lot of the things that are kind of the antithesis to burnout actually start with the letter E. And so I said, okay, well, this is kind of cool because it really – is is like this easy way to remember like all the things that you need to focus on. So as an example, some of the stuff that we've been talking about uh, with regards to your mind, that's part of emotional intelligence. Um, one of the things that we know is that it's not something that is typically taught in schools, but you know, there's been a lot written on the subject where they're saying now that it's more important than your IQ in terms of your success. And that's because it has so much to do with, your ability to manage your own thoughts and therefore, like, manage your emotions. Um, So that's one E. Another E that we talked about today was empowerment and the idea that when you understand yourself better and you can put certain things into practice and then avoid things that are, draining you, then you are coming from that empowered stance. So uh, I have a lot of these kind of solutions in the book. They just happen to start with the letter E, and so that's how it all came about.
1: I love that. That's great sounds like a great book, too. I'd like to pick that up myself. Yeah. Well, Sharon, it looks like we're out of time for today. This has been a great conversation. Before we wrap up, though, let me just remind our listeners about a few items. Be sure to uh, go to our website and subscribe to our email list to receive uh, my newsletter and weekly announcement. You can also pick up a copy of my book on Amazon, Living Longer is the New Normal. As I've said, I think that whatever age you're at, inspiration and a positive mindset can be put to good use. That's my message in the book, and sounds like that's the message of our guest today, too, talking about the importance of our self talk and keeping positive, keeping that in a positive frame of mind. Sharon, thanks so much. For those who might want to contact you, how can they do that? So, the best thing to do
2: is go to my website, which is drsharongrossman.com. There is a link there where you can uh, see my calendar availability and book yourself to have a session with me. Those are free of charge. And there's lots of other resources on on there as well. One of the things that I would love to invite people to do on the website is I've got a Mindset Mastery Starter Kit, and that's a free download. So if you enter in your name and email, you'll get a list of resources that include some articles that I've written as well as some videos that I've recorded on a number of topics, including burnout, Uh, but a lot more than that, that really focuses in on mindset. So I encourage people to go there and and grab the free resources. Um, And then, of course, you know, there's also a link there to my book if they're interested in buying a
1: copy. Great, great. DrSharonGrossman.com. Well, thanks again, Sharon. This has been very enlightening for me, and I'm sure it will be for my listeners as well. Appreciate you being part of this process.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks to everyone for joining us on this uh, conversation today. Hope to see you next time.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.